Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Hope you had another awesome week. I'm going to get right in it today. Today's title is three keys or three key components rather for explosive growth in your own personal growth and development and in what God has called you to do. If you've been following this specific podcast series, we've been talking about exploits in what God has called you to do. That God has not only allowed you by, by His Spirit to locate the vision of God for your life, but He's anointed you to get it done. But what are practical things we can do for increase, for growth in the area God has called us to grow in? I want to start off by reading in Luke chapter 13 and the verse beginning with verse verse 6 the Bible says the following words and he spoke this parable to them saying a certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and he found none and he said to the keeper of the vineyard look for 3 years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none cut it down why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well, but if not, then after that you can cut it down. This parable, Jesus is saying, first of all, I want to take note that uh, in verse 6, the Bible says the master of the vineyard, the one who owned the vineyard, came seeking fruit on his tree and he found none. I want you to picture this, that God each year is doing his rounds across this earth and he visits you looking to see how far you've developed the gift of God on your life, how far you've gone in what God has assigned you to do. And it seems to me that there's like almost this, this, this um, mercy period of three years where God will let fruitlessness continue for like three years but on the third year the bible says he told the keeper of the vineyard to cut it down because it's using up ground it's not producing fruit this shows you that god doesn't just desire you to grow god requires you to grow god requires fruitfulness in any area that he's called you to 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 be in god requires the bible says in the book of peter i believe it's second peter one or first peter one rather the scripture says that we are to give all diligence. He's talking to people that he just said are elect according to the foreknowledge of God, that these are the, 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 the ones who've been sanctified by the Spirit. These are the saved Christians that have been scattered throughout the earth. Peter is writing to saved Christians in the region of Asia and Bithynia. And then he moves on to say, now, for this reason, now that you've been saved, we're not safe to sit. We're not saved. Christianity is not a call to laziness. Christianity isn't a call to God will do everything for me. I just sit back and watch and watch the show. Get me some popcorn and things are just going to work out. Peter moves on to say, for this reason now, we give all diligence to add to our faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, brotherly love, to brotherly love, kindness, and to kindness, love. For if you do these things, if you apply these principles, if you're uh, applying relevant force to this, you will create a momentum that's going to propel you to forward, uh, to, to, to move forward in life. And you will be neither useless nor fruitless in the things that pertain to the Lord Jesus Christ. God does not want idle servants. He, the Bible says very clearly, Jesus told a parable in the book of Matthew, that when the Son of Man returns, the Master 
when he comes back, when he returns, he says, if he sees that his servants have become idle and begin to say in their hearts, my master is delaying his coming. And so they get to, they begin to eat, drink, be merry. The master of that servant will come on an hour. He's not expected at a time and an hour that he is not aware of. And he will tell that servant be gone. You unprofitable and wicked, lazy servant. And go into the place where there's unbelievers. Literally, when you're lazy, when you're idle, when you just sit on your blessed assurance and do nothing with what God's called you to do. Remember, and when God called you and saved you, he put a vision in you. It's up to you to locate that vision. And then it's up to you to, like Habakkuk 2 says, to write the vision down so that when you read it, you have power now to run with it. Your life is either running with a vision or you're sitting and being a burden. You're either running with a vision that is going to impact your generation or you're sitting being a burden and doing nothing. And the Bible says the master of that that, that vineyard said, cut it down, cut this fruitless tree down because it's not doing anything. Listen to Colossians 1. Colossians 1 and verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we first heard of it, we do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, Colossians 1.10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord. So that means you can walk unworthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing him. How do we fully please him? Following section of this verse, Colossians 1.10 says it defines it perfectly says being fruitful in every good work so you walk worthy of the lord and you fully please god by being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god you are now strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy i want you to get the picture out of your mind that you are just called to occupy a space on the earth And that you're just another number in the system. No, you are a royal priesthood, a peculiar people. And God has called you to stand out, to distinguish you. The Bible says a man's wisdom makes his face to shine. When Moses came down from the mountain, mountain where you had an encounter with God his face was shining when you get saved you had an encounter with God you were born again there was a regeneration of what the God nature that died in you regenerated came back to life and now you are to shine as a billboard as an advertisement to this generation of what God can do to a human being a woman or a man that is fully yielded to him Remember, the Bible says God is looking to and fro throughout the whole earth, seeking one whose heart is loyal to him so that he might show himself strong through him on his behalf so that people can see that uh, by the works that are expressed, the works that are done through you, that we're not operating on a regular frequency. The reason why God wants to bless you and, and cause you to be supernaturally fruitful and get to the top in whatever field you're in is A, because he loves you, B, because when you get to that level, when you get to the top and people start to look to you and say, what's your secret? How did you get there? How, what is the secret behind your success? You don't have to say, well, it's hard work and all that. Although what I'm about to talk to you about, you know, those are, those are part of the key components for explosive growth, but you'll be able to point back to the power of God 
And to the God you serve and say, had it not been for the Lord on my side, I wouldn't be seeing what I'm seeing today. It's by his favor. It's because of the strength of his hand that I have obtained what I obtained, that I've seen what I've seen. Like Paul said, I am what I am because of the grace of God and the grace of God towards me was not in vain because I labored more than they all. So three key components for explosive growth. What did Paul mean by saying that the grace of God towards me was not in vain, but I labored more than they all? Grace is not a scapegoat to escape work. Grace is what God gives a person to empower him to do things a specific way that will create growth in what God has called him to do. So number one, three key components for explosive growth. Number one, you must carry a possibility mentality. You have to carry a possibility mentality. What do I mean by that? You cannot be bombarded with thoughts continuously and you're continually bowing to these thoughts and the pressure of these thoughts, thoughts such as I can't do it or that's too big for me or I'll never obtain that or that seems impossible or I don't know who'd be able to do that. The moment you start thinking like this, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks, so is he. If you think small, you will stay small. If you think mediocrity, you will stay mediocre. In what you're doing if you think uh if 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 you think impossibility in everything that you see then everything you see will remain an impossibility in your life if it is too big for your mind to process it'll be too big for your hand to possess let me repeat that if it is too big for your mind to process it will be too big for your hand to possess genesis 11 says and god was talking to the people that were about to build the tower of uh, babel and um, so they, they were engaging in something God didn't call them to do. But I want you to notice something. God recognized because man was created in the image of God, man contains and possesses certain God qualities. And one of that is Genesis 11 says, God said this. Now this they began to do, building the Tower of Babel, and nothing could res- be restrained from them of which they had imagined to do. Because man is created in the image of God, man has the potential or the capacity to imagine. And as he imagines, he forms a mental picture in his mind of what he's able to do. So it is important to monitor the the mental pictures that you have in your mind because your mental pictures are what you are going to realize in life, whether good or bad. So how do you stretch out or how do you modify these mental pictures? Number one, Number one, the most important uh, way to do it is you have to study the word. The word of God will stretch out your imagination so that you're now able to see how great God is and what he's able to do through people that have yielded yielded to him in times past. The scriptures will stretch out your imagination of what God's able to do. When you start to see and study, that's why children, are they gravitate towards stories like David and Goliath. Why? Because they're impossibilities. And they love, you know, kids have imagination. They can literally see David knocking Goliath out by a slingshot. So when you study that, you know, you should never lose that awesome wonder that you had when you read those stories as children Because it puts something in you, a confidence that God can't fail. That if God called you to do something, he can't fail. That no matter what is yapping against you, no matter the challenge ahead of you, you have power and anointing because the hand of God's on your life to overcome the obstacles that are ahead of you so that you can press towards the goal to reach the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
So when you study stories like that, when you study how God bailed Israel out in times past, when you study how uh, the Bible says that the, the mighty men of David went out and they, they, they just gained victory everywhere they went. When you study what the hand of God on Elijah, that it caused him to outrun the chariots of Ahab. When you study how God in times past prove, has proven himself to beat the natural odds or beat the, or, or, or circumvent or bypass natural law in order to do impossible things through human beings, you start to have a greater imagination that what you're facing today or the assignment God has called you to really isn't that big and it is obtainable and it can be done. You have to possess the possibility mentality that no matter what God has told me to do, it can be done. Not by might, not by strength, but I know that by the Spirit of God, it can be done. Look like look at uh, Numbers 13. You had the 12 spies that went to see the land of Canaan, and all 12 saw the same land. All 12 saw the giants. They saw the fortified walls that went up to heaven. They saw the obstacles. 10 came back and gave an evil report. They had a poverty mindset they had a defeated mentality and it gave birth to further defeat in their life they never got to taste and see of that promised land but then two joshua and caleb in whom was another spirit they saw the same land they saw the same giants they saw the same obstacles but they said that if god is on our side we should by all means get up and go at once for the obstacles will the the giants will just be bread for us to eat the 10 spies said we're like grasshoppers that's the grasshopper mentality we're like grasshoppers in their sight there's no way we're ever gonna get that there's no way way we can ever go oh, others have done it but they were special we're not that special they had a grasshopper mentality and as such they lived like grasshoppers but then two had victor's mindset a victory mentality they said it doesn't matter what is ahead of us because of the god that backs us we will take possession of the land if god before us who can come against us philippians 1 6 says he that began a good work in us god didn't call us to fail god called us to complete the work that he began whatever god starts no man can stop whatever god ordains nobody can cancel and that will be your story look to god and another thing on a practical level is expose yourself to men or women on the earth that are doing what you're setting out to do that will stretch out your mindset that'll show you it'll put a mental picture in your heart that what you're going out to do is not impossible when you see others doing it maybe a hundred years ago 200 years ago people would have thought leading a million people in one night to the lord was impossible but then in two in the year 2000 in the 2000s reinhard Bonnke in africa saw that happen and there's videos of it so now when i look at those videos i don't get discouraged because man it's never been no i've seen it it's been done it's been done before and the same god he is not a respecter of persons if god did it through them by the anointing and by the hand of god on their life then i know this it's not a different hand it's not like god's right hand uh, is stronger on some others and then you know on others he's a little lighter no the same hand of god is on your life to accomplish accomplish those works so lose the small mindset. Lose the small mindset. You'll never plan big if you carry a small image of who God is. You will never plan big if you carry a small image of God. Read the Bible. Jeremiah 32. The Bible says, Thou art the God of all flesh and nothing's too difficult for Him. So if nothing is too difficult for Him and He lives in me, then I got to start talking 
and start speaking and lining up my confession saying, then there's nothing that's too difficult for me. Not because I'm something special, but because the anointing of God in me, the Bible says I can do all things. Stop saying it can't be done. It can be done. If God called me to it, it can be done because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if it's never been done, remember, 1 Corinthians 2 says, What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has never entered the heart of man, those things God has prepared for those who love Him. So even if it's never been seen, God has has it prepared for me. Even if it's never been heard of before. If God wants to do a new thing, something marvelous in our sight, that even if He told others, others wouldn't even believe you. Doesn't mean you, you don't have to go around sharing that vision with everyone, but at least believe it yourself because what ear has not heard and what heart has never received before God is able to do far more abundantly, exponentially greater, all that you can ask or think according to his glorious power that is at work in you. Number one, you must carry the uh, possibility mentality. Number two, you need the spirit of wisdom. You need the spirit of wisdom. This is one of the multifaceted powers of the spirit of God. And that is the spirit of wisdom. Isaiah 11 says, And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon you, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might and knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will make you of quick understanding. I'm not talking about a worldly wisdom or a natural wisdom, a natural human wisdom. We're not talking about going to school and educating yourself. We're not talking about filling your wall with PhDs and masters in, in, whatever, in whatever you're studying. I'm talking about a wisdom that can't be taught by man. It is a wisdom that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians that the Holy Spirit teaches with spirit words. I'm talking about the wisdom that the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of this kind of wisdom. What do I mean by that? The moment you're born again, you enter into this kind of wisdom. Why? Because when you're born again, Jesus by mystery comes and lives in you. And remember, the Bible says of Jesus that he is Christ, who is the power of God and Christ, who is the wisdom of God. So the fullness of God's wisdom now lives in you as a born again believer. But understand, there are a lot of foolish Christians because they don't benefit from this wisdom. They don't draw from this wisdom bank that is in them just because you have a million dollars in the bank doesn't mean you are living like a millionaire you can have a million dollars in the bank and not know the pin code to access the money in the bank and it won't do you any good there's christians carry the potential for unlimited wisdom not the wisdom that is of this world or sensual wisdom but the wisdom which comes from above james 3 says that is full of good fruit and good good works without hypocrisy the wisdom that solomon operated in where the queen of the east came and beheld the works of solomon that were born by his wisdom and she fainted the scripture says her spirit left her when she saw it and when she came back to her senses she got up and told solomon i heard of this and i didn't believe it so i came to see it and the half of it hasn't even been told i want to read proverbs 24 3 why is wisdom important in, uh, in growth, in developing, in building, whatever God's called you to be, uh, call, called you to build. Maybe he's called you to build a business. Well, listen to this. Proverbs 24, 3. Through wisdom, a house is built. You can't even build without the wisdom of God working through you. You'll, you will encounter various struggles and r- various frustrations because you're going to try. You know, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes Uh, I believe it's chapter 10 and verse 11, it says that if the axe head is dull, one must use more strength. 
If you have a dull axe and you're trying to break a tree down or cut a tree down, you're going to have to use a lot more strength if it is dull and you're going to sweat unnecessarily. And then maybe, maybe you'll finally break it down. But wisdom brings success. So the Bible is saying that wisdom is the power that sharpens you in order to work more efficiently so that you can do sweatlessly what others may, other men have to sweat to obtain. Through wisdom, a house is built. And by understanding, it is established. So just building something, you know, you can build, you know, they build a deck of cards, right? But then one win, and it's not established on anything, so it blows away. So wisdom won't only enable you to build something, it'll enable you, it'll enable you that what you're building will be established. And then it says, and by knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. You won't have an empty home. A wise man is strong. A man of knowledge increases strength. So wisdom increases your strength in building things that will not just, not just, uh, not just be built up, but be established and then be profitable for success. Remember, God doesn't want it just you just to build anything. He wants to build something that has a firm foundation and that it has profitability. The Bible says in Proverbs 3.19 in the Living Bible that uh, um, by wisdom, something is built by wise planning. A house is built, a business, an enterprise is built by wise planning. And it becomes strong. It grows through understanding and it profits, one, profits wonderfully through knowledge. So God doesn't want you just to be to lay a foundation of something. He wants it to grow and he wants it to succeed. All that, whatever is going to require growth in life, whatever is going to require forward movement is going to require wisdom. Ask Joseph. Joseph was in a prison cell, convicted wrongfully of something he had not done. And it was the wisdom of God that brought him before Pharaoh and made him, took him from a convict to a king in one day. Took him from the prison to the palace in one day. How? Pharaoh said it. He commended Joseph publicly. And a man shall be commended according to his wisdom. He commended Joseph publicly saying, Can we find such a man as this, a man in whom is the spirit of the living God? A man who, inasmuch as there is none as wise as you, Joseph. There's none as wise. We've searched the kingdoms and we've not found anybody as wise as you. And what happened? By that wisdom, it made a, that gift of wisdom that God put on him. I'm not talking about a gift of the Spirit. I'm talking because the gift of the Spirit is not the gift of wisdom. It is the word of wisdom. It has nothing to do with what I'm talking about today. But wisdom is a gift. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach. So I want you to stop thinking of yourself the way you thought of yourself before you got saved. I wasn't smart. I'm not too bright. I don't have uh, I, I don't have much processing abilities. I have a hard time understanding things. Um, I, I have a hard time retaining information. I have a hard time memorizing. Maybe you did before, but now begin to confess your new identity in Christ, where it says we now have the mind of Christ. Paul said, "As a white Paul certainly did not talk stupid of himself. You know, I'm just not really bright, and you know, anytime I see success." around me i just know it's the hand of god and i had absolutely nothing to do with it. no he said as a wise master builder i have laid the foundation i have laid the foundation as a wise master builder it takes wisdom to become a master builder in building what god's called you to build 
The Bible says, who is like a wise man or who knows the interpretation of a thing? A man's wisdom makes his face to shine and the boldness of his face is changed. When you don't have this wisdom working through you, people know it because you have timidity and shyness. You, you, when you, someone doesn't know what they're doing, it looks like they don't know what they're doing. When the wisdom of God, remember Jesus carried this wisdom and the Bible says, when he was in the wilderness and there was like thousands of people around him and there was no food and they were starting to starve, the disciples came to him and said, where are we going to find food to, to feed these people? Jesus, Jesus said to Philip, let me read it, John chapter 6. Listen to this. Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw a great multitude. He said, where shall we buy this food, bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus was never backed up into a corner not knowing where to go. Jesus was not, you know, sometimes when they came and asked him questions, he just absolutely didn't know what to say. And he said, let me get, let me circle back to you on that. He wasn't telling people he's going to circle back to them on that. He himself knew exactly what to say. The Bible says oftentimes the Pharisees and the scribes asked, asked him questions Questions seeking to catch him in something wrong that he would say. And when he rep replied to them, the Bible says they were astonished at his wisdom and they questioned him no more. He always knew the right thing to say. This wisdom in you, even if you, you know, it, it's, it's an amazing gift because even in times where you, you might not have even studied the thing that, that people are asking you about, suddenly something rises from within and you know, you know it. Nobody can explain how. But you know it. You know the right way. In times where other people would have been distressed and panicking, the way out is clear for you. That's what the wisdom of God, not only will it do that, not only will it solve problems through you. So the wisdom of God will not only solve problems, uh, as you, uh, which will come alongside you as you, as, you, as you move forward in God, as you move to build something, there's always going to be challenges, there's always going to be dilemmas, there's always going to be enigmas, which the Bible says in Proverbs 1, the wisdom of God is given to solve riddles and to, and to solve enigmas, solve problems, solve um, dilemmas. Not only does it do that, but the wisdom of God is God's instrument for creativity through you. Proverbs 8.11, I wisdom dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. So this wisdom is available to us. How earnest is God? How earnestly does God want to get that wisdom to you? The Bible literally says in the book of Proverbs, if your heart is wise, God said, my heart shall rejoice also. So in approaching God today and asking him for this wisdom, don't come shy. Don't come timidly. Don't come not knowing if he even wants to. No, you can know. The Bible says, seek, seek for wisdom as for treasure. Search her out as for hidden treasure and gold. Cry out for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding, and the Lord will give wisdom out of his mouth, will proceed knowledge and understanding. So how do you enter into this wisdom? You just got to ask and ask in faith, not doubting. What's faith? Faith is knowing what God's will is concerning what you're asking him for. So, I mean, you can look at the whole book of Proverbs. It is not only something God offers, it is something God is eager to get at work in you. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Number three com component for growth is diligence. And this is an important one because you can have a possibility mentality. You can carry the spirit of wisdom. You can carry wisdom that God gives you. 
that enlightens you and shows you the way to go and how to build and what to do and where to, where to do it. But if you don't have diligence working through you, you will stay a gallant failure. What is diligence? Simply, it is hard work. It is putting whatever your hand finds to do. It is doing it with all your might. Diligence is the investment of your time, your energy, and your resources into a specific pursuit, into a specific task or an assignment. Every prize demands the press of diligence. Every prize. If you're going to succeed, if you're going to make something of yourself, if you're going to, to, uh, to grow and increase that thing that God's called you to, you, you're going to have to have the press of diligence. The Bible says, he that labors, labors for himself, for his hungry mouth. If you're hungry to see things work in life, there has to be the hand of labor uh, put to the plow. The Bible says it's because of laziness that the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. There's a leak in the house. Through laziness, the building decays. Any object, if it assumes a state of rest and nothing is added to it, it's going to decay. You, you build a sand castle on, on a beach, you come back a year later, and nobody tended to it, that thing is going to be inexistent. It's not going to be there anymore. There has to be the hand of diligence at work through if, if it's going to if it's going to stay up and it's through laziness that a building decays. It's through laziness that things crumble. It's when adequate force is not applied to a specific project that things collapse. And through slothfulness or idleness of hands, the home leaks. A slothful man is the brother. The Bible says in Proverbs, the brother of him who is a great destroyer. Laziness destroys great destiny. There has not been a greater destroyer. The devil actually looks up to laziness and says, I wish one day I can be like you because laziness destroys more destinies than Satan can ever hope to do. An idle man will suffer hunger, the scripture says. The Bible says a lazy man is not going to plow because of harsh conditions. But his hands, his mouth will beg during harvest and have nothing. The Bible says the hand of the lazy man desires, his heart desires, but he has nothing because his hands refuse to labor. It doesn't matter how great a calling God has on your life. If there's, I mean, look at Paul. Paul had an amazing calling on his life. Acts chapter 9, he is my chosen vessel, Ananias told him, to bear my, my name amongst Gentiles and rulers and kings. Paul, I'm going to use you to come before kings for my name's sake. You're going to be my ambassador to kings in my name. Did Paul just say, well, praise God, I'm just going to buy myself a summer home right by the Sea of Galilee and, and I know things will just turn for me one day. The doors are going to open. No, he got to work. Beginning that Sabbath, the Bible says, he began to confound the Jews at Damascus that Jesus was the Christ. He immediately got to work in what God called him to do. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, in verse 24 through 27, he's, uh, Paul's writing that in a race, let me read it actually. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and verse 24. Listen to this. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one can obtain the prize? So that shows you there are a lot of people that are called to different things, but not everyone obtains the prize of seeing that thing manifest in their life. A lot of people, I'm sure, have been called to be mighty evangelists. We could have seen many Billy Grahams in times past, but not everyone runs to obtain the prize. Some people are lazy. It doesn't say 
that in a race, many sit or ponder or analyze. That's the problem. There's a lot of people, God tells them to do something. And instead of doing it, they sit down and they analyze. How can I do it? What should I? They overanalyze. They overthink the situation and it leads to idleness. It leads them to just stick and do nothing. Abraham heard from God, get out from your country. What did he do? Did he get Sarah around the kitchen table and they just joined hands and said, let's just pray about it. You don't have to pray about what God's already told you to do. In the next, the Bible says the next morning he rose up early and he departed taking Lot with him. When he told Abraham, take your only son. And sacrifice him on the mount that I'll show you. The very next morning, he saddled his donkey and took his servants with Isaac. And he went to do it. He did it. He did not delay in keeping God's commandments. And what happened? It didn't delay the blessing. Delayed obedience will bring a delayed blessing and delayed growth. I can tell you, the Lord told me to get on Facebook Live and do live streams years ago, like 2017. I waited a full year and a half. And the Lord told me, if the moment you start doing those live streams, it'll be within three years, within three years of your first live stream that you'll have to pinch yourself because you won't even recognize the ministry. If you'll obey me in this, the doors will open. If you'll obey me. At that time, I was having a hard time having doors open for the ministry. I was having a hard time, uh, you know, getting, getting opportunity to preach and whatnot. I wasn't, but then I started doing these live streams and I'm telling you. The, the blessing kicked in when I followed God's commandments, when I became diligent in hearkening unto the, what God had told me to do, the voice of the Lord, to get onto live stream, it kicked in quickly and effortlessly. Doors started to open for me. Effortlessly, money started to come in uh, through the, for this ministry so that we can do more crusades and, and get more work done. It was, and it's, it's been effortless and it's been awe-striking ever since. I can't explain it. But growth is happening at supernatural levels, and there's no way to explain it in a year like 2020, when it like it seems like it should have been a disastrous year, especially for evangelists, because everything was shut down in Canada, especially churches were shut down. We had the best year. We saw the most reach. We saw the most people saved. We saw the most uh, the most reach and extent of this ministry worldwide, and most doors being open. People calling us from places I've never been uh, to go and preach preach at their churches or do a crusade somewhere. You know, like. It just came because I obeyed, because I was diligent. And when I do my broadcast, I don't get up and I have nothing to say and I just wing it. No, I study to show myself approved. So when I do the broadcast, there's content that's blessing people. And as such, because of the law of spiritual impact, when you impact others, they come back. You make the grass green and the sheep will come. That's, so what do I do? I sow the seed of the word. The grass is green. On our live streams, and the sheep come, they come, and they're fed, and we're getting reports from everywhere of people being delivered. We had a report yesterday of someone that watched my live stream on the power of the blood of Jesus, a husband of, of the lady that wrote in, and he immediately got saved, gave his life to the Lord. 30 years, she's been praying for him to get saved. He goes, without anyone asking him, I'm going to burn all my paraphernalia, all my smoking equipment, everything that I've had. And I'm burning it all. Let's start the bonfire. And they did it that very day. And he said, I'm, give, I'm giving my life to the Lord today. So it, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Proverbs 22, 29. Let me finish what I was reading. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 24. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. So there's a way to run where you don't obtain it. And there's a way you run to obtain it. Everyone who is competing 
For a prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. He's comparing our diligent efforts towards athletes. Athletes get up and they work whether they feel like it or not because they know, you know, especially an Olympian, they have four years to prepare. Once that year comes where the Olympics are being held, if they don't perform then, if they haven't practiced, it's going to show and they're going to have to wait another four years in order to prove themselves again. So they work hard. Whether they feel like getting up early in the morning to make that run, they, they don't care. Smith Wigglesworth used to say, I don't ask myself how I feel. I don't ask myself how I'm doing. I tell myself how I'm feeling and I tell myself what to do. And the scripture says, Paul says, one of the ways you can, uh, what diligence is essentially is taking responsibility without requiring any type of oversight. Paul says, I discipline my body. I Bring my flesh into subjection to the desires of my spirit, lest after I have preached to others, I should be disqualified. The Bible says very clearly, God called Abraham and he didn't just sit down and say, well, God said he's going to bless me. No, he became a cattle rancher. He started to do something. God can only prosper the work of your hand. He can't prosper lazy people. The Bible says very clearly, an idle person will suffer hunger. He that tills his land shall be satisfied with bread, but he who follows frivolity, who's frivolous, led by his emotions, whatever he feels like doing, that's what he does. That man will suffer poverty. The scripture says, I went by the field of the lazy man and by the vineyard of the man devoid of understanding, and his field was all covered with nettles. Its walls were broken down. I looked on it, received instruction, a little sleep, not a lot of it, just a little sleep. I'm not saying you shouldn't rest. I'm not saying you shouldn't get your eight hours or whatever hours of sleep you need. But if a little sleep, a little slumber at the wrong time, and the Bible says your poverty will come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man, meaning poverty will overtake you. Need will overtake you. But on the flip side, the Bible says the hand of the diligent shall be made rich. And so in conclusion, I'm going to pray for you right now. That the, God will give you a grace. Like Paul said, this grace was given to me to do these things And this grace enabled me to labor more than they all. And as such, he stood out from the rest. Paul was winning more souls than Peter. And Peter was the one who walked on water. Why? Because he said, I labored more than they all. I pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, for those watching this, uh, listening to this podcast in the future. I ask you, Lord, let a grace be deposited in their spirit right now that will empower them. To think right. To think as more than conquerors. To think in the face of impossibilities. To think possibility thinking. Number two, I pray, Father, that there would be a grace that falls on them. To carry wisdom like no other. The spirit of wisdom would be would come over them. That just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood out from the rest. The king was astonished because he found them to be ten times wiser And that wisdom wasn't just head knowledge, it produced wonderful works, just like in Jesus' day. They said, where did this man come from and what wisdom is this that produces such marvelous works? Father, let that wisdom generate innovation in them, that they would begin to produce in this generation what has never been seen before by the creativity of God. And I pray, Lord, let diligence, the grace to be diligent, to run and not grow weary, to walk and not faint, come on them from today onward in the name of jesus and i thank you for thank you for great testimonies thank you that you're raising up in this last hour mighty army of accountants mighty army 
of, of politicians, a mighty army of teachers, a mighty army of landscapers, a mighty army of construction builders, a mighty army of lawyers and doctors to take this world by storm. In Jesus' name, we give you all glory and honor and praise. If you could share this podcast on your Instagram or your Facebook, tag me in it, I'll repost it just to get the word out to more people. If this has been a blessing to you, if it's added any value to you, please do so. You'll be a great help to me. Until next time, I love you all. May goodness, mercy, blessing, and favor follow you all the days of your life. Thank you.